the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us. It is 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Monday, the 12th morning of the month of Groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. And my goodness gracious, do we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, the country is shifting. The country is changing. The country may never be the same. As president, all of my documents fell under what is known as the Presidential Records Act, which is not at all a criminal act, everything. It's all judged by the Presidential Records Act. In this whole fake indictment, they don't even once mention the Presidential Records Act, which is really the ruling act, which this case falls under 100 percent because they want to use something called the Espionage Act. Doesn't that sound terrible? Oh, espionage. We got a box. I got a box. The Espionage the Espionage Act of 1917, I think it was put in there about World War I boxes. And by the way, Biden's got 1,850 boxes. He's got boxes in Chinatown, D.C. He's got boxes all over the place. He doesn't know what the hell to do with them. And he's fighting them on the boxes. He doesn't want to give the boxes. 
And then they say, Trump is obstructioning, he's obstructing. No, it's a sad, uh, sad day for the country. Sad day for the country, indeed it is. Whether you're a Donald Trump supporter or not, you have to recognize what this means for the country. You have to recognize what we saw go down on Friday and with more information and reaction over the weekend. You have to understand the depth and the magnitude of this entire thing. You don't have to be wearing the red hat and calling yourself a Magado- what is it? What is he called? Magadoniac? No, not Magadoniac. What's uh, the Magadonian? Magadonian to be completely uh, aghast and concerned about what is being done to Donald J. Trump because what is being done to Donald J. Trump is a complete misapplication of the law. It is the exact opposite of what the special counsel charged with investigating this quote-unquote document scandal says that it is. He says, Jack Smith does, that this is a perfect example of and proof that no one is above the law and we will follow the laws entirely, no matter whom they impact. And that's paraphrasing Jack Smith. And the reality is, is, that's a lie. Because if they followed the law, wherever the facts go, to whomever they may lead, if they followed everything with the same principle that no one is above the law, then the very same investigation that is being conducted right now, or has been conducted, into Donald J. Trump and led to the indictment, the same investigation would have been done to Hillary Clinton in 2016. And the same exact uh, um, investigation would have been conducted and still be underway, potentially leading to the indictment of Joseph R. Biden for some of the reasons that you just heard Donald Trump's uh, uh, layout uh, during one of his speeches over the weekend. He is clearly on the defensive now, and that's fine. You want to bring an investigation as to whether or not Donald Trump should be allowed to have those classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, whether or not they were handled properly, go ahead and investigate. As long as, and only as long as, you are investigating everybody for the same exact crimes or the same exact handling or mishandling of classified information, including and especially two individuals who had no entitlement to classified information because secretary hillary clinton was unable to give classified or declassified documentation vice president joe biden was unable to give declassification orders of documents donald trump as president could indeed declassify documents according to uh, the presidential records act he absolutely had the right and the ability to do, do so now did he do it right did he do it to all of the documents? Did some of the documents get declassified and some of them not? Fine, ask those questions. But if you're going to do the investigation there, you doggone well better be doing the investigation for everyone. Otherwise, you know what this looks like? It looks like what it is. It looks like political targeting of a political opponent. It's not an equal application of the law. It is a targeted application of the law, as Judge Jeanine Pirro explains. What they're trying to say is, we've got witnesses, we've got evidence. But you know what? Everything is about context. Everything is about, was anything tape recorded? Is anything you know subject to a bug? I mean, is anything transcribed? Or is this just a statement a witness made who probably has to stick with it when that person goes to trial? Or are they thinking about something else? But what stands out? about this is the fact that this is 
is a lot of effort to go after a, a former president, a candidate for president, by a president who's saying, no, it has nothing to do with me. It's a special counsel. Stop trying to fool the American people. This is an indictment brought against a candidate running for president by another candidate who's running for president. Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, all of them should be indicted if this is going to be the standard. And they're going to say, look, oh, it's not just possession of classified. He tried to obstruct us. Excuse me. Joe Biden had records at the Penn Biden Center, supported by the Chinese, as well as at his uh, beach house, in his garage, and in Delaware. And now they're saying Trump moved into Bedminster. Whether he did or didn't, I can't say. I don't know the facts. But what I do know is looking at this right now, America is saying, whoa, whoa. Why can't they fight this at the ballot box? Why do they have to make up the Russia collusion hoax? Even the Durham report said Hillary made it up to get them off her back for the email scandal that she was never indicted for, for classified documents. So that is the crux of the issue now, isn't it? An indictment brought against a candidate running for president by another candidate running for president. An indictment bought, brought against one individual for the same allegations that other individuals escaped either investigation or indictment or both. That is what this is about. Weaponizing the Department of Justice against individuals, whether they be presidents, former presidents, candidates for president, or parents, school board members. Or excuse me, who want to be school board members, who want to who want to go after and question the school board about things going on in their schools, all the other things that the Department of Justice, the FBI, has been weaponized against. We are seeing this happen. That's what makes this so extraordinarily dangerous for the rest of us. Now, lest you think that this is all just a bunch of hand wringing and 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 anger from a bunch of red hat wearing magadonians and this is just trump's cult base uh ra- you know uh, railing against uh, the fact that their guy is a criminal etc cetera, etc cetera. it's not just trump supporters it's not just maga hat wearers it is even left wing democrats alan dershowitz the professor emeritus at Harvard Law, one of the most well-known attorneys maybe in the history of the country, is a left-wing activist attorney. He voted for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. He voted for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. He has never voted for Donald Trump. He doesn't like Donald Trump. But he does like the law. And what Alan Dershowitz says here is pivotal. The legal twist is yes. What if, in fact... There is evidence that would be enough to go to a jury, but that evidence would never have been obtained if not for the illegal, unlawful, and unconstitutional targeting. The, the, the what? what? What was that word again, uh, Attorney Dersh- Dershowitz? Constitutional targeting. Targeting. This is what is sometimes referred to in legal parlance as the fruit of the po- uh, poisonous tree. If the underlying investigation was unlawful, then evidence gained from that investigation cannot be kept, cannot be used in prosecution of the target of the investigation. It's why you have to have a search warrant to go through somebody's car or somebody's home before you find the eight keys of cocaine. 
or the bags of fentanyl. You have to you have to have a warrant to find those things. If you don't have a warrant and you go looking and then they find them, you can't prosecute the person for having them. It's called the fruit of the poisonous tree. That's an egregious example. There are many others. But that's what Alan Dershowitz is talking about here. The underlying investigation, the targeting of one man because of politics, is illegal. Therefore, what you discover, if there is anything that is actionable, would essentially be inadmissible. The legal twist is yes. What if, in fact, there is evidence that would be enough to go to a jury, but that evidence would never have been obtained if not for the illegal, unlawful, and unconstitutional targeting only of Republicans rather than Democrats or blacks other than whites or Trump Mm -hmm. other than anybody else. That's going to be a very interesting novel argument that eventually the Supreme Court might expect. Does that mean that Donald Trump should be in the clear? No, not necessarily. But that must be explored before any kind of charges can be brought and any kind of trial can be held. Why did Jack Smith, special counsel appointed by Merrick Garland, choose to target only Trump for something that the news, anybody who who owns a television, has seen over the course of the last several months, Reports of Donald Trump having uh, classified documents at his home in Mar-a-Lago and Joe Biden having boxes and boxes of classified documents at his home in Delaware and in museums and in uh, that are especially those that are that are given access to and help funded by China for crying out loud in garages. Everybody's heard of all of this. One president or former president <clears throat> is not only investigated thoroughly. But but has his home raided, raided by the FBI, while the current president, who never had a right to have these documents in the first place because he was never president and could not have declassified them, he doesn't get raided. They inform him, sir, we're going to come to your house on a certain day. Can you have some things boxed up for us? Any of those classified documents that you don't uh, that you don't have a right to have there? Can uh, can you get them, put them out for us, and we'll just pick them up on the front porch? You understand that? No thorough searches, no raids, unannounced, and so on and so forth. That is a double standard, a two tiered system of injustice. That's what Alan Dershowitz is talking about. Between that and, again, the Hillary Clinton aspect of this as well, there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of irregularities. Congressman Jim Jordan is going to join me in about uh, 20 minutes or so, and we're going to talk about some of those irregularities because on Friday, Congressman Jordan wrote a letter to the Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland and said, you know, there is a senior FBI agent that was a part of the planning of the raid of Mar on the, uh, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, who doesn't understand why it was done the way it was done. It was irregular. There were abnormalities and things that cannot be explained. Why is Donald Trump being treated with abnormalities, with differences in the way he is being treated and investigated as opposed to others? That's a senior FBI agent who was a part of the planning of that raid who said this isn't right. He sent a letter to Merrick Garland demanding all documents relating to the planned raid on Mar-a-Lago to find out if this is maybe fruit of the poisonous tree. 
So we're going to talk to Jim Jordan coming up at about uh, 9.35. I'm looking forward to that conversation, as we do each and every week, but particularly this week because of the, the magnitude and the gravity of these allegations and these indictments. I welcome your thoughts at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Before we take our break, let's take our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, stand, face your flag, put your hand on your heart, and join us for our pledge. If you are a believer in a two-tiered system of justice and targeted uh, investigation of political opponents... Well, that flag means nothing to you anyway. You don't have to pledge your allegiance to it. In fact, you can boycott it by taking a knee over there next to that unemployed quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Always Right Radio is right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. If you would have told me two years ago, three years ago, that I would be in the middle of a political movement, I would have said, put down Hunter's crack pipe. Right now. Right now. It's Biden inflation across the nation. 81 million votes my ass. Hey, 81 million votes my ass. You failed to build back better. Your middle finger, the middle class. They pissed off an already pissed off woman. 81 million votes my ass. The crime was committed in broad daylight. We're living on planet crazy. Got a laptop full of China. Hookers and blows and crack. And the diaries got creepy Joe in the shower. 81 million votes my ass. Hey, 81 million votes my ass. Guacamole tosses word salads. That even cringe the Democrats. Waiting in the wings is a thing called Hillary. And at first I chuckled. I said, oh my gosh, Hillary Clinton is actually talking about me? That's funny. And then I got to thinking, maybe that's not funny. Oh my gosh, help, help. And I just want you all to know I'm in perfect health. We've recently had our automobile serviced and the tires are good and the brakes are in good order and I am not suicidal.
I miss the mean tweets. I miss Donald Trump. 81 million votes. My ass. Climbing the billboard charts like a rocket ship. Three of them. Three difference. That's the truth, Bombers. Featuring Carrie Lake. 81 million votes. Votes. 81 million votes. My ass. Enjoy that one for a little while. Probably play it again later. Congressman Jim Jordan coming up next. AM 1420 The Answer. Reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. 936, bringing that to you each and every day. Thanks for being with us <clears throat> on Always Right Radio. Uh, pleased to be uh, joined now by uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He is uh, front and center for all of the drama involving the indictment of President Trump on 37 different federal counts. That's all related to the Mar-a-Lago raid and the uh, allegations of mishandling of classified materials. Congressman Jordan, good to have you back. How are you, sir? Fine, Bob. Good to be with you. Hope, uh, hope you and your family had a good weekend. We did. Thank you. I appreciate it. I know you had a busy weekend. We're going we're gonna to listen to a little bit of what you said and ask you to follow up on it on a couple of other programs. Sure. But, but, you know, you're a strong Trump supporter. You have endorsed him. You have backed him. Yep. You have had his back every, se- every step of the way. And some might say, so his word isn't necessarily one we should rely upon. You know who's not a Trump supporter? Alan Dershowitz voted against Trump and voted for Biden. Mm-hmm. Voted against mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton. Uh, voted against, or, I'm sorry, voted uh, against Trump and voted for Hillary Clinton. He is not a right. Trump supporter, but he says The legal twist is yes. What if, in fact, there is evidence that would be enough to go to a jury, but that evidence would never have been obtained if not for the illegal, unlawful and unconstitutional targeting only of Republicans rather than Democrats or blacks other than whites or Trump Mm -hmm. other than anybody else? That's going to be a very interesting, novel argument that eventually the Supreme Court might expect. And that's what this is all about, is it not, Congressman yeah. Jordan? Of course it is. I mean, they, I mean, Bob, they, they actually got President Trump's lawyer's note. Are you kidding me? What about attorney-client privilege? What about just private? That's one of the fundamental liberties we have in our system of justice. When you talk with your attorney, they can't go get their, your attorney's notes, for goodness sake. This has been – they've been out to get President Trump since 2016. We will have Mr. Durham in front of our committee in 10 days. And, and, and he pointed out clearly in his report that they used a dossier. They got it two days. They'd had it for two days, hadn't corroborated anything, used it to go get a warrant to spy on President Trump's campaign. That's how much they've been out to get this guy. And it's continued now for seven years. This is just one more example of how determined they are to keep this guy, who actually goes and fights for we the people in the White House, how determined they are to keep him out of the Oval Office. And Congressman, to to further the point that um, uh, Alan Dershowitz made, um, if there is something to investigate in what was found at Mar-a-Lago, okay, let, let's investigate. Let's find out what was there. Let's find out what you're alleging. How is there not even an investigation of Joe Biden? They they instead of raiding Joe Biden's residence and raiding the museum and raiding the the, the you know the garage and all the other places he's got classified documents stored, they called him and said, "Yeah, we're going to be stopping by. Can you leave all that stuff on the porch for us so we can pick it up?" They 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 did not and will not investigate to find out if a guy who did not have declassification powers. Uh, 
was violating these laws, violating potentially the Espionage Act. It's only President Trump. And that's what Americans really need to be concerned about. Yeah, because uh, how, is, how is this equal application of the law? Right. Last week, we, last week, as part of our ongoing investigation, how these agencies have been turned against the American people, we had the head of the Washington field office of the FBI in for a deposition. He told us, and this is the guy running the Washington field office, the most important field office of all the field offices the FBI has around the country, running the Washington field office when, when this investigation into President Trump and classified documents started. He told us four different key facts. He said, first of all, why isn't there a U.S. attorney assigned to this? Why are we doing this like Crossfire Hurricane? Didn't we learn in Crossfire Hurricane you shouldn't run these things out of headquarters? They said, nope, we're going to run it out of headquarters. He says, well, why don't we do it this way? Why don't you have the Miami field office do the, do the search and do the raid on President Trump's home? That's how it's normally done. Nope, it's going to be the Washington field office. It's going to go down to Miami and do the raid that happened last August. Then he said, how about this? He said, why don't we... Why don't we just keep working with President Trump and his lawyers? We've been talking to him. We know we can work this out, which is exactly how they did it with Joe Biden. And they said, nope, we're going to go down and do the raid. Finally, he said, at last resort, he said, how about this? How about when we get there on August 8th, that Monday night when they did the raid, how about when we get there, we then just say, we got the place secured. Why don't we then call up President Trump's lawyer and say, hey, meet us here. Let's go through this search together. Again, just like they did for Joe Biden when they went to his place to get the stuff. They said, no, when you get there, show the subpoena, go in, get the stuff, do the search, do the raid. That, so it just, again, shows the distinction, the difference in, in how they're treating President Trump with one, one, one set of rules and everybody else with a different set. But Jack Smith said, no, we're, we're, we're just applying the law excuse me, equally and evenly, uh, no matter who is the target. Nobody is above the law. He made that very, very clear in his statement that we're not doing yeah. the same thing or uh, anything to President Trump that we wouldn't do to anybody else. Of course they say that, but everyone sees what they do. Saying and doing are two different things, and everyone can understand it. This is political. So political. I mean, think about they, the fact that they picked Jack Smith is the most political thing ever. We actually deposed Jack Smith back in May of 2014 as part of our investigation into how the IRS was targeting conservative groups, targeting the very kind of people who listen to your show, Bob. Conservative people across this country were targeted, and Jack Smith was looking, he was at the public integrity section then at the Justice Department, he was looking for ways to prosecute the very people who were being harassed and targeted by uh, Obama's IRS and harassed and targeted by Lois Lerner. That's how, that's how political it is. That's the guy they selected to go after President Trump. And it should be no surprise that he's doing what he's doing. And, of course, he's putting the spin on it saying we are following the law, the rule of law, and all that. Everyone sees they're not. Jim Jordan is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, um, if they use the Presidential Records Act, it appears they have nothing to stand on. You made that very, very clear when you talked about the Supreme Court decision and what the Constitution says. So they are instead going with the Espionage Act. Can you tell us and explain in layman's terms the difference? I think this is the dumbest thing. As, as if President Trump, well, what are they going to say? President Trump is going to share this with our, I mean, this is crazy. And, and the one fact they point to, um, the one, one instance they point to is where supposedly he held up the thing and said, you know, to someone, some uh, staffer or something that, that, that you know, the, I can't, I, I'm not allowed to show this or something like that. I mean, who knows if that happened the way they're describing it, but th- that's one thing they point to. We know it's not the Presidential Records Act because they didn't mention it anywhere in the 37 count indictment in the 40 some pages of, uh, of, of Jack Smith's indictment. So the idea that you know, it makes no sense to me either. Everyone understands President Trump wouldn't do anything to harm our great country. But th- th- these guys, again, their, their determination to come up with whatever 
and make it sound so 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 bad. I mean, there's a there's a great scripture verse, Proverbs. I think it's Proverbs eighteen seventeen, where it says the first to present their case seems right until another comes and questions them. And that's the whole principle of cross examination. So yeah, we got this indictment. Oh, it's so so damning. It's so so. In, but but well, that's Jack Smith putting down his case. You get a chance to get the other side and cross-examine what they're doing. As Dershowitz points out and others have pointed out, I think it starts to fall apart pretty quick. Congressman, I want to ask you about the one element of this that even the president's most ardent supporters are concerned about. They're saying if there is anything here that needs to be explained or needs to be questioned or, or, or at least is valid in terms of what they're investigating, it is the audio tape they say they have. You discussed yeah. this yesterday yeah. with Dana Bash. I'm going to play this real quick and then give you a more of a chance to answer it than she gave you. Listen. The standard is clear. The standard is Navy versus... That's the wrong one. Apologies. This is the one. But he says point blank, he says point blank on tape as president, I could have declassified it. Now I can't. He says in his own words, it's on tape as part of this indictment that he did not declassify the material. Therefore, it is saying he saying he could have saying he could have is not the same as saying he didn't. Okay, that's where I want to pick pick it up, uh, Congressman Jordan. So she is saying, and this is what others are saying as well, that the the audio tape, and I have no idea where the audio tape came from. I'd love to know why yeah. there was a recording being done. It's it's not like caught yeah. on a security camera or something. They like got that. that from his lawyer. I, my understanding, Bob, is that's what they got from his lawyer for goodness' sake, which is crazy in and of itself. But but, but what's the origin of the tape even that the lawyer had? Who was recording the president talking to his aide and discussing this document? I think that, it, as she explained, it, said, you know, he apparently says, I, according to the tape, uh, that I could have declassified it and I can't now. Um, and your, your yeah, response was, well, that doesn't mean someone, he didn't already. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right, right. I think it's, I think it's someone doing it for, for some book or something. I, I got to remember. I, I think I'm right on that. But, okay. yeah, it's like, well, saying I, 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 I could have is different than saying he did it. What we do know is what President Trump has said. He said, I've declassified it all. And, and again, the, the standard that, uh, that Jack Smith and, and, and Dana Bash didn't want to seem to, to uh, understand is the standard is the Supreme Court case in the Constitution. The Supreme Court said in Navy v. Egan, 1988, unanimous decision. Blackman wrote the decision. They said that it, it, the power resides in the presidency. The president's ability to classify and control access to national security information flows from the Constitution. It's constitutional. The one guy, the head of the executive branch, can do it, can declassify or classify however he wants to. He's the commander-in-chief. He's the president of the United States. End of story. That's what they don't want to accept. They want to play this game. That it's, maybe it's the Presidential Records Act when they didn't even cite it in the, in the indictment, and then he was this back and forth, and then they're going to come after him because there's some tape. It's ridiculous and Again, I think anyone with common sense understands it's ridiculous. Does anybody know what document we're talking about with respect to that audio tape? I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I don't the only know reason I ask is it seems like that's going to be the answer to the question of whether he did declassify it or not. Because, again, in, in the language he used, which is why many of his supporters are even kind of like a little perplexed to see how this is handled, in the language he yeah. used, now I can't, that would indicate I haven't done so already, that, and I can't now. I and why would you say I can if you already had declassified it? That's the element of this that the president is going to have to explain. I don't know what it means. But but here's the big question, Congress. And going back to my first question to you and the, and the uh, audio clip I played for you from uh, uh, Alan Dershowitz. Is that not, even if there is something there, the fruit of the poisonous tree? If there was no yeah. legitimate grounds for the investigation, <laughs> the evidence uncovered in said investigation is, is, is inadmissible and off limits. 
Right, and you can't obstruct something when there was no crime and when there's no underlying crime either, which is one of the charges one of the, the, in the indictment. So, right. yes, I, I, I agree with that point 100% as well. That is long established in, in our system of justice, which is the best system ever developed. So, um, again, this is the, the, the left and the Democrats, and frankly, unfortunately, I think some Republicans have been out to get President Trump Forever, as, as I said many times, you think about the pattern: sixteen they spied on his campaign, eighteen election it was Bob Mueller, twenty they they suppressed the the Biden laptop story with the with the false claim of the fifty one former intel officials using their title, using the prestige of former head of national security, former head of the CIA, and all this stuff that they did. Twenty twenty two they raided his home ninety one days before the midterm election to make it a part of that election even though they had evidence already of Joe Biden having the same concern. No, no, no raid there. Not even no. an acknowledgement. We didn't even know about it going into the election. And now here we are 17 months before uh, the, the presidential election. And they actually are indicting him on 37 ridiculous uh, counts, uh, yeah. indictment, indictment. So it's, it never ends. And again, it's when, when the president, president Trump says they're coming after me because he says, because I, I stand between you and them, they're really coming after you. That is true. That is what's happening. And so, um, like I say, I think the American people are smart and have uh, figured it out. Let's take this to the next level now, because not only did they not investigate Biden for the same thing, despite finding documents at the Penn Biden Center, despite finding them in his office, despite finding them in his garage, and so on and so forth. Now let's talk about what we learned last week from FD 1023, that long requested and in fact subpoenaed form from the FBI that you demanded that did indeed confirm the eyewitness testimony, the whistleblower testimony about bribery allegations. Again, if we're looking at equal application of the law, shouldn't Merrick Garland, on the basis of that testimony and that documentation, open an investigation into Joseph Biden? Well, the, the, uh, the least they should do is let the country see it. That's what, that's what Chairman Comer and, and, and those of us on the committee have been pushing for. Let the whole country see it. Not just the, not just the committee members. Let, them, let the American, let we the people see that document. But on the classified issue itself, think about this. You've got Secretary Clinton, Joe Biden, and President Trump. Three people accused of the same thing, mishandling classified documents. Is it equal application of the law? Is it justice? Is it fair when you have three people do the same thing and only one gets indicted? That's the fundamental question. That's the, to me, that's the fundamental question. Is it fair? Is it justice when that happens? Because it's supposed to be equal application of the law. And again, Anyone with common sense can see that that is not what not not what is taking place right now in our country. No, very 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 clear. But but just to just to hammer home the point about the bribery allegations, um, I was a little surprised that Chairman Comer from uh, from Oversight decided to drop the uh, potential uh, um, uh, contempt of Congress charge because. Uh, you know, everybody in the committee got to see that document, but again, it wasn't produced and turned over to the committee, as you said, so that they can all keep copies right. of it and show it and talk about it to the public. Yeah. So, so, so no, we're letting them skate on just okay. Everybody got a chance to look at it, and now you have to go by memory of, with what you do with it. Well, good point. I don't think the uh, I don't think we're completely done with that yet. I mean, that's something that, uh, to the speaker's credit, he pushed for this, and. Um, uh, Director Ray did what uh, Secretary Blinken did. If you remember, Mike McCall was pushing for this document on on the Afghanistan issue, and the accommodation that was made there was the the the, the end result was that the committee got to see it. So Ray decided to do the same thing here, and I think that okay, fine. The speaker, I think, he said, okay, we'll take that step, but that doesn't preclude us from going further and saying, no, 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 no. 
It's got to be made public. That's still my position. It's got to be made public because I just read it. Uh, and I haven't really talked much about it, but I read it. And there were a couple things in there that really stuck out to me that I don't think have been fully, fully talked about. Uh, and, and fully uh, brought out to the to the American people, and I want that document to go public at some point. Right. And I know it, I, I know that's where Chairman Comer is as well. We're going to keep pushing for that, and I think it, I do think it will happen at some point where the whole country can see. And then I think it'll be even clearer to the American people what what's uh, what's really going on here. Well, the reality of the situation is this: you could have deposit slips uh, with Joe Biden's signature on them, putting the money into his account and turn it over to Merrick Garland, and he's still not going to open an investigation. You could you you could have the most direct evidence ever of bribes and money coming from Burisma or anywhere else going right to Biden and right into his account. And they're still not going to do it, which means there is no equal application of the law. There is no uh, you know ev- there's no one above the law type of nonsense from Jack Smith. They are targeting one individual and doing everything they can to protect another individual, which is, of course, textbook uh, uh, election interference. And, uh, and the American people know it. The question is, is whether or not yeah. we're going to be able to stop it before it's too late. Uh, Congressman Jordan, I know we you're are. working very hard to do that. I thank you. You last yep. statement on that, sir? Go ahead. No, I said, we, 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 I mean, in the end, as I said yesterday on the show, the, the ultimate jury is the, the jury on, on November 5th, 2024. And I think the American people, um, when they when they when they look at you know, when they look at what's going on here, I think they're going to make the right decision then. So that's, that's the ultimate jury, as I, as I said yesterday. Well, let's, uh, let's keep working very hard on getting the truth out there so that people can make that right decision. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much, sir, for what you do. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Take care. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. I've got uh, half an hour in front of me uh, empty, which means you want to respond to Jim Jordan's comments. You want to respond to President Trump's comments over the weekend. You want to respond, respond to Alan Dershowitz or any of the other audio that we are playing for you with respect to this indictment of President Trump. I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Always Right Radio is right back. So much grist for the mill this morning. I welcome your thoughts. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Congressman Jim Jordan laying out the truth. The reality is this is a singular intended targeted prosecution for political purposes and nothing more. If it was all about justice and all about honesty and integrity and classified documents and national security, then the same exact standards would have applied to Hillary and the same exact standards would apply right now to classified Joe, who's got more documents and more places than Trump even did. And nothing, not even an interview. The FBI has not even interviewed Joe Biden about that much less open an investigation, much less completed an investigation that led to an indictment. Tell me how that is anything but political targeted prosecution. Todd is calling us from South Euclid. Todd, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. I want to just ask you something. Sure. Do you think whataboutism is a legal defense? This isn't whataboutism. This is, this is, is. (laughs) no, this is, this is equal application to the law. No, 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 no. Trump has been indicted. Down the road or before, we'll see what happens with Hillary and, and, and Joe Biden. But you cannot, is Trump's lawyer's closing argument, but Hillary and Joe Biden? We, no, we, no, no. It's equal application of the law. If we're talking about the handling of classified, or technically the, the charges would be mishandling of classified documentation. Classified documents. If, if, now listen, th- this is, this is a, a legal premise. 
if three individuals uh, all are accused of the same crime and only one of them is prosecuted, that is considered to be a targeted prosecution and is illegal under the law. That's the reality. If three individuals all in the and, and, and here's the best part, Todd. Neither Hillary Clinton nor then Vice President Joe Biden and prior to that Senator Joe Biden has ever been entitled to have classified documentation or to declassify it because they weren't president. Only one okay, guy was, and that's the one guy being targeted. Trial at the moment now. Pardon me? Who's going to be going on trial? Well, we know the answer to that. What's your point? The point being that... The fact that Joe Biden and Hillary are not being charged at this time is not a defense. It is evidence that this is a targeted and thus not a uh, constitutional prosecution. Todd, there are there are laws and there are... We've and, seen and th- the evidence. No, you we haven't. Not, First of all, we have not seen the evidence. Seat? You haven't seen squat. You have oh, not well, seen evidence. What you do need to see, though, Todd, I, Todd, Todd, listen, you got, you got to, you, you, you'll learn more by listening than by flapping your gums. Thank you for the call. Keep listening. What you really need, the evidence you really need is to read the Constitution. This is an unconstitutional targeted prosecution during an election cycle. Okay? They could have brought these charges two years ago. They could have brought these, these allegations two years ago. They waited until what? the primary season for the next election cycle. Now they're bringing these charges so they can tether him to a courtroom in Miami and tether him to a courtroom over the ridiculous uh, overstuffed Alvin charges in Manhattan instead of letting him campaign. This is textbook political interference, election interference and political targeting. If the others were charged at the same time and in the same way, I'd say let's go, let it play out. But the fact that they're not makes this unconstitutional targeting and that's the reality. We're going to talk more about it after the top of the hour break on AM 1420. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two underway. Nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. It's the 12th morning of the sixth month, otherwise known as the month of groom in the year of our Lord 2023. Are you joining me, by the way, in being a new Texas Rangers fan? I'm a huge fan of the Texas Rangers now. Not that I watch baseball anymore. I don't. I used to make a career out of baseball and all sports, by the way. I did my sports radio, uh, did sports radio for the the, bulk of my 26 years in radio now. Uh, Now I don't even watch it. Can't. Too woke. But I'll tell you what, I have respect for courage. And the Texas Rangers show courage. Texas Rangers are the only one out of the 30 Major League Baseball parks or franchises to have a Pride Night in their parks this, this, uh, this June, this month of groom, I should say. 29, the Indians just had theirs. Of course, the Dodgers are having their Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence Award Pride Festival on Groom 16th. So that's coming up uh, this week. 29 Major League Baseball franchises are going to celebrate other people's sexual proclivities, their sexual preferences, their sexual turn-ons, their sexual fetishes, and they're going to bring it to the ball yard so you and the family can clap for them. 
only the Texas Rangers have decided, nope, not doing it. They haven't done it since Pride Month began. I don't even know when that was. It seems like it was just yesterday. Um, because it certainly wasn't something as I was growing up. It certainly wasn't something as my kids were even growing up. It's it's a lot younger than that, but at any rate, uh, they haven't done one ever. They issued a statement saying, you know, we're inclusive in the way we run our ball club, and that's enough. That means a lot better to uh, more to us than hosting some sort of goofy event at the ball yard. They're smart, and there needs to be more of them. There also needs to be more Catholic players stepping up uh, and condemning what the Dodgers are doing and what baseball is allowing with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence uh, drag-slash-anti-Catholic hate group being given that award coming up on the 16th. So just a little, uh, just a little interruption there for you. Uh, for a moment, uh, let's get back to it. And I want to hear your phone calls at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. I want to play a clip from uh, ABC's uh, show with George Stephanopoulos. This one, this one is uh, is a really good one, and this is worth our time. George Stephanopoulos, you probably know, used to be uh, you know Bill Clinton's uh, primary uh, press guy uh, and campaign manager, and he's a longtime host now on ABC. Well. He had one of President Trump's former attorney. Actually, this man is one of President Trump's current attorneys, I should clarify. But he's just not one of President Trump's attorneys on this particular case that he's being, uh, he is facing now with the indictment in, uh, uh, in, uh, Miami court tomorrow. But Jim Trustee is one of President Trump's attorneys, and George Stephanopoulos brought him on yesterday to talk about the indictment and the meltdown that George Stephanopoulos has here is really quite interesting. Is he cannot believe what um, what Jim Trustee says? But then Jim Trustee starts quoting you know things like the Constitution, and when you bring the receipts, well, it's it's awfully fun to listen. Have this conversation with him. He very quickly pivots to concern about the country. You know, it's not a real selfish analysis. It's this is a bad moment for our history. This is our country turning the corner. And as somebody that's been around criminal justice for over 30 years, I agree with him. It's it's a Rubicon we shouldn't be crossing. But doesn't the president, don't you believe in the principle that no person is above the law? If the president committed the same crime that someone else did, shouldn't he be charged? No person is below the law. That's really the issue here. I mean, you've got these investigations in Delaware that are a thousand times more serious by a sitting president who has authorized his DOJ to try to sink the candidacy of his prime opposition while that guy has unsecured documents that he stole out of a skiff dozens of years ago. So, look, you know, we're not talking about some sort of favoritism. What are you talking about? That is a ridiculous statement. Uh, there's this issue. <laughs> nice try. There's an issue that anyone that reads any newspapers would agree is a parallel track, which is the Delaware document scandal of Joe Biden, where there's a special counsel, Rob Herr, that's investigating it. You know that there were documents that were sensitive, that were marked classified, found in a garage near a Corvette that made their way through Chinatown, through the Penn Biden Center. There's 1,850 boxes that have never been fully looked at at University of Delaware. You have the ultimate unclean hands of a current sitting president who had no declassification, had none of the protections of President Trump, and who literally had to have stolen stuff from a skiff. Even Dick Durbin 
has commented about how this was an outrageous possession of classified material by Vice President at that point, Joe Biden. So that's what we're talking about. You can scoff and act like there's nothing to it, but the whole country knows the basic notion of unequal treatment and fairness, and that's what's at issue with this prosecution. Unequal treatment and fundamental fairness are at issue in this prosecution. He is exactly right. Joe Biden has classified documents that he never could have declassified the way President Trump could because Joe Biden was never president when all of this happened. He was vice president. Vice presidents can't declassify a piece of toilet paper. Just like Secretary of State Hillary Clinton could not declassify anything. Yet she took them with her on her unsecured server. Unsecured, meaning able to be hacked, able to be compromised by digital bad actors. And in order to cover herself after this was discovered, she had her entire digital footprint erased using bleach bit to crush all of her servers and then literally physically had her phones that might have had the same information on their hard drives crushed with hammers. Now you think about that. Was she ever indicted? Was she ever brought up on charges? Of course not. Because there is never an equal application of the law when it comes to Democrats. Now we come to Joe Biden, as Jim Trusty just said to George Stephanopoulos and sent the sniveling little coward into silence. Joe Biden had documents, he said, anybody who's read a newspaper, I, I change it to anybody who's ever turned on a TV knows, or certainly a radio with AM capability, you know that Joe Biden was found to have had boxes of classified documents he never could have had because he cannot declassify them as a non-president at the time these were taken. He cannot do that. He had these boxes at his residence in Delaware. He had them at the Penn Biden Center. In Chinatown, had them in his garage, had had them at the University of Delaware. Not one single word from Jack Smith about it. Jack Smith stood there and, 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 and condescendingly, talking about the special counsel investigating Trump, and condescendingly uh, said to, to a press corps that no one is above the law and that he and they only pursue charges against people based on the law and it has nothing to do with anything else no matter where it leads well it's hard for an investigation to lead to someone if you don't hold or conduct the actual investigation the investigation which is in air quotes now that you can't see on the radio the investigation didn't even rise as high as interviewing joe biden all the fbi did was call Joe Biden and say, we're coming to visit your place and have a look at the documents you have. Going to have to recover those. No raid without warning. And certainly no charges, not even an interview. How can you possibly conduct an investigation without having an interview of the primary subject of the investigation? I mean, it's really quite remarkable, the, 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 the depth of their depravity if you will i think it's kind of depraved the way they're fixated on trump this you know the old uh, uh, trump derangement syndrome 
and the height of their hypocrisy at the same time. Depths of depravity and height of hypocrisy. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing it all. Now, Jim Jordan, in his interview with me about 45 minutes ago, pointed something out that you may or may not have picked up on. He was talking about an FBI senior official who helped plan the raid of Mar-a-Lago, who did not want to have a raid of Mar-a-Lago, who saw a bunch of irregularities and abnormalities and unusual features of the plan that was laid out. And he knew it wasn't being done properly. He tried to stop it. And they made it go forward anyway. I'm going to share this with you. Jim Jordan, by the way, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, sent a, uh, a letter to Merrick Garland on Friday demanding all documents relating to the raid on Mar-a-Lago from FBI Director Christopher Wray and any other top DOJ official that might have knowledge of it. He demanded in the letter everything related to this raid because of what this senior FBI official who was part of the raid's plan and who did not like it because of what he revealed. That FBI former assistant director in charge of the Washington field office is Stephen Duantuono, and I'm guessing on the pronunciation, D-apostrophe-A-N-T-U-O-N-O. I'm going with Antuono. It might be Antuono. At any rate, it might be Antuno as far as I know. But at any rate, the abnormalities of the raid were described to congressional investigators during a January 7th, so that was this past Wednesday, transcribed interview. And in that interview, the former FBI assistant director in charge of the Washington field office, one of the senior, most senior FBI officials in charge of effectuating the un- unprecedented raid of the uh, Mar-a-Lago uh, uh, estate, said some very important things. Jordan, in the letter to Garland, said, quote, During his testimony, Mr. D'Antuono expressed strong concerns with the department's pursuit of the raid and noted several unusual features in the department's handling of the case. Mr. D'Antuono, who had over two decades of FBI experience, noted his frustration that the FBI was going to be left, quote, holding the bag again, end quote, with respect to the search of President Trump's residence. During his transcribed interview... Mr. D'Antuono detailed how he disagreed with the Justice Department's approach to the raid and described several abnormalities, among them that the Mar-a-Lago action was being carried out by Washington rather than the Miami field office, which would have jurisdictional precedent there. He said the action was carried out by the Washington field office, not the Miami field office, which would normally be assigned because of the Mar-a-Lago location. Mr. D'Antuono, the senior FBI official, told the committee that, quote, FBI headquarters made the decision to assign the execution of the search warrant to the Washington field office, despite the location occurring in the territory of the Miami field office. He stated he had absolutely no idea why this decision was made and questioned why the Miami field office was not taking the lead on this matter. D'Antuono also pointed out to the committee that bureau officials told special counsel John Durham that field offices, not FBI headquarters, should run those investigations. Another abnormality, the fact that no U.S. attorney was assigned to the case even though that is standard operating procedure for the FBI. Quote, 
He explained that he didn't understand why there wasn't a U.S. attorney assigned and raised this concern a lot with department officials because this was out of the ordinary. Mr. D'Antuono indicated that he never got a good answer and was told that the National Security Division would be handling this matter, end quote. I'll come back to that in a second. D'Antuono said Jay Bratt, who leads the DOJ's counterintelligence division, functioned as the lead prosecutor on the case. And Mr. Jordan noted in his letter to uh, Merrick Garland that Bratt is the same department lawyer who allegedly improperly pressured a lawyer representing an employee of President Trump. He was referring to an allegation by another Trump, uh, a former Trump lawyer that Bratt was pushing another Trump attorney to become a witness against him. So in other words, a guy that was trying to flip a Trump employee against Trump was the guy who was heading up that part of the investigation. That's beyond a conflict of interest. I want to go back, though, briefly to the D'Antuono uh, statement to Garland, or excuse me, to the committee as presented to Garland, that he was told National Security Division would be handling this matter. Now, why does that matter? Let me explain it very briefly. Classified documents and the alleged mishandling thereof are typically under the purview of the Presidential Records Act. This is being handled by the National Security Division because of what they found in what President Trump had at Mar-a-Lago. Don't you see that there's a little bit of an inconsistency in the timeline here? If they didn't find out about the classified documentation that President Trump held that was relative to national security, why did they assign the National Security Division to handle a matter that the typical Presidential Records Act would have influenced and that would have just led to a standard FBI operating procedure? Why did they elevate it to national security without knowing that there were documents there that would later be determined to be involving national security? Do you understand what kind of a setup this really was? And that's why it matters. To a previous caller was saying, oh, you're you're going to play whataboutism, what about this, what about that? It's not just whatabout. It's an actual targeted and misleading and um, political prosecution. It's the same thing that we saw during the Russia collusion hoax. Let's find Trump. Let's get Trump. What can we get Trump on? There is nothing. Then let's make something up. That's what they did with the dossier that was used to give to the FISA court to be able to spy on on Trump's campaign. I think about that. Is that what about ism too? What about when they cheated to spy on Trump the first time? What about the, the, the what, what about ism when it comes to the two bogus impeachments? And now here we are again. They've got absolutely no reason to target this guy any more than they would have to target Joe Biden himself or Hillary Clinton. Two of them skate. One of them is now under indictment. That's what makes this unconstitutional. It also makes it very clear and blatant election interference. Because they could have brought these charges two years ago. Instead, they wait until the late spring and early summer of 2023 as the presidential primary season begins. It is unconscionable, in addition to being unconstitutional. 216-901-0945. Coming right back. Dan is calling us from Chagrin Falls. Dan, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. 
Hi, Bob. How are you? Doing well, sir. Good. You know, I'm going to tell you straight up. If this is this this whole trial, this whole sham, another witch hunt is left to stand, our republic is done. I agree. And at, at what point? At what point do we not, as citizens of this country, take back our country? And I'm not talking through elections because right now elections are being proven useless the way the left is cheating. And I I just don't know. I mean, what else are we supposed to do? Well, I, I I hate to respond the way I have to here, but I mean, really, short of an armed revolution, it is through the electoral process. But it's not just voting for the right president, because you're right, they can steal those things. There, are, there, are, there is election theft that makes many of our electoral apparatuses completely, or apparatus, I guess, uh, completely useless. But at the local levels, at the state levels, we have a little bit more of an opportunity, and that's where it has to start. Um, everybody seems, and thanks for the call, Dan, i got to get to our break here, but a lot of people seem to think that all of the solutions must start in Washington, D.C., at the top, from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to the Senate and so forth. Uh, it, it isn't that way. If we want to restore our country, we have to restore it at the local levels, whether it be school board, town councils, uh, whatever, whatever you know, smaller, uh, more actionable uh, seats and, and political opportunities that there are. That's where we try to save this republic. Yes, it matters that they cheat at the higher levels, but we have to. That's why we work on things at the local level until we can make the changes necessary to the system. Voter ID and and so many other things that we have to do at the law, at the higher levels. So, uh, I hate to say that the answer is is elections, but the answer is still going to be elections until it's time for an armed revolution, and that's not something I ever want to see happen. Uh, Ten thirty, we'll take a time out of here. We're going to come back and always write radio AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Keeping you informed. Among the uninformed, always write radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 1038. Appreciate you being with us on Always Write Radio. So pivoting away from the uh, witch hunt for just a bit here, let's go back to the legislature in uh, Columbus and find out what's going on in the fight for medical freedom. COVID, you know, it's interesting. I was doing some radio work this morning in Houston, Texas, helping out some friends, and um, they were talking about the fact that there are still COVID mandates that exist in Texas, of all places, in Texas. The Texas legis- legislature has been very lax in making sure that there is no opportunity to restrict people from working uh, based on their VAX status. They still are pushing that. Also, don't know if you knew this, Joe Biden and the White House just reinstituted the mask mandate for the unvaccinated if you come to the White House. They're hosting, you know, all of the sports teams that win their championships, and, hey, you get a visit to the White House and blah, blah, blah. So they're doing it on, like, championship day where everybody goes. And anybody who's not vaccinated is being required to wear a mask and to socially distance because they, even though Biden himself lifted the uh, COVID uh, emergency, and even though Biden himself is quadruple vaxxed, and yet got COVID twice, they're still treating people like lepers. Don't get near me, you great unwashed cretin. That's the way they treat people. So 
it brings back up to the you know brings back the uh, topic of medical freedom and our, dis- our our rights to decide for ourselves what we're going to do, what treatments we want, what treatments we are going to refuse. And uh, House Bill seventy three is coming up for a very important vote potentially to get out of committee uh, this week. And joining us now is the one of the two lead primary sponsors of uh, House Bill seventy three, which is also known as the uh, uh, Dave and Angie Patient and Health Provider Protection Act, is uh, Jennifer Gross, representative uh, from District forty five. Jennifer, or excuse me for the informality, Representative Gross, good to have you on the program. How are you? Thank you, Bob. It's really great to be here. Are you always right, though? I got. I got to say, does your wife say you're always right? Well, you know, there's two ways to, to take that to take that title. There's always right, as in always correct, and then there's always right, and you better believe that that part is absolutely true. So, Sorry, I, you, this is a really heavy topic. So no, not yeah, at all. No, I listen. There's a reason I did that double entendre when we named this show uh, because it can't be yeah. taken either way. And uh, and yeah, I do, and go ahead. and I wanted to say back to your White House. I mean, that's the people's house. So I guess it's only certain people are welcome into the people's house in D.C. Yeah, right? like you know, like you're not welcome. So I it's. That, that's really unconscionable. Or but we'll anyway. welcome you, but we'll shame you if you don't have, you know, what we want you to have in terms of uh, of health care, which is which is that's just right. astounding. But at any rate, uh, okay. she has joined uh, Representative Gross by Stephanie Stock. Stephanie Stock is one of the founders of OAMF, which is Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom. She and they have been championing this bill and, as a matter of fact, played a huge role in writing it. So Stephanie Stock is with us as well. Stephanie, good morning. Thank you. Good morning, Bob. Okay, so I'm glad you're both here so we can talk about a couple elements of this. I'm going to start with you, Representative Gross, since you're the primary sponsor. Tell us about the committee meeting this week and tell us how people who are interested in protecting and preserving their rights to decide what medical treatment they do receive and what medical treatments they don't receive, and providers to have the right to say, I'm going to prescribe this if I think it's in my best judgment what I should do and not be handcuffed by federal regulations. Tell me a little bit more about this bill this week. Okay, so Tuesday, Subbill 8B number 73, which is called the Dave and Angie Patient and Health Provider Protection Act, Mm -hmm. um, will be submitted for um, acceptance into committee and then potentially voted out of committee in the same day. This bill protects the art of medicine. It protects the relationship between physicians and their patients and other providers and their patients. It, it allows any prescriber to issue for a patient a prescription for any drug, including an off-label drug, which is in current practice, 20 to 60% of all medications are written off-label, that if a prescriber has, you know, said to the patient, gotten an informed consent, and said, hey, I want to use this medication for you, and the patient agrees, protects that relationship between the provider and the patient. And, and because for, the sake of clarity, for the sake of clarity, Representative Gross, define off-label. Off-label means, for instance, um, most people that are listening right now have children that have had an internal ear infection. That means otitis media. And the majority of those people, if their child's not allergic to penicillin, had amoxicillin. Amoxicillin used in high dose is considered off-label, meaning when they, when they went to the FDA to get approval for amoxicillin for whatever bacterial infection they had, they did not apply for an indication for amoxicillin 
for an internal ear infection using high-dose amoxicillin. I know that's a little complicated. Here's another one. How about uh, gabapentin? People use gabapentin for neuropathy, diabetic neuropathy. But that is not indicated, formally indicated by the FDA for use in uh, the numbness and tingling that can occur with diabetes, okay? But we use it often for that. And so I'm not promoting any medication. No, I understand that. But to be more clear, to, to be more clear, we could be talking about things like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Correct. And even aspirin for atrial fibrillation. So we use in healthcare 20 to 60% of our medications are written off label. What that means is that the indication that you went to the FDA to get it for like Prozac for depression, maybe they use it for something else. When you use it for something they did not ask for the indication to use it for, that is off-label. However, when you go to the FDA, the FDA gives the blessing and says this is safe for human consumption. So when you go to the FDA, the FDA indication says it's indicated for this particular illness, an antibiotic for an infection, right? However, they're also giving their blessing saying this medication is safe in use in humans. The FDA does not then tell a provider, you may only use it this way. What's happening in Ohio is some uh, providers are being uh, fined uh, for writing medications off-label or um, um, choosing to write like ivermectin and things like that. And so we need to protect the relationship in the examination room between you and your doctor, Bob. We're talking with State Representative Jennifer Gross from uh, District 45. We're also uh, talking with Stephanie Stock, who is a uh, founder of Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom. Stephanie, you played a big role in this, and as a matter of fact, actually helping to write it, you and OAMF. Tell me where you are with this, and tell me um, uh, what your confidence level is that we can get it into a committee and out of a committee and on its way to passage. So, um, yeah, we've, you know, over the years, even before COVID, we had a lot of issues with you know, people that were doctors that were treating Lyme disease in different ways um, than conventionally, and they were getting really, really having great success. And a lot of these doctors were being fined or losing their licenses. In fact, we had one of those doctors testifying uh, for the bill, and he's a fantastic doctor, and and unfortunately, he's not able to care for his patients anymore. is something that was even going on before COVID, although they, they you know, it, it, it escalated during COVID, and a lot more of the doctors were attacked. And, you know, I just think that you know, these that have been blocking the ability for people to get what they need. It's just been a travesty. And we, we had so many, so many complaints. I mean, literally hundreds of people reaching out. Either they couldn't get in to see a patient, which is another issue that needs to be addressed, you know, visit, you know, having an advocate on site. And then, and then, or they couldn't get medication that they wanted and, or they were being pushed on things on them that they didn't want. So, I mean, so many desperate Ohioans reaching out, like, what can we do? What can we do? And literally, the doctors had their hands tied, truly had their hands tied. And I, I got a chilling statistic or it, it's some information just today, actually, from a doctor who's giving proponent written testimony for HB73. And I just want to read this to you because it's very short and it was really profound to me. Okay. Uh, she indicated that. Yes. Well, Stephanie, your phone glitched out there at the start of what you were reading. Try that again. Oh, okay, okay. I'll read a little slower too because I tend to talk fast, Bob. You know me. <laughs> Um, a study, a 2022 study by the Physicians Advocacy Institute 
indicated that nearly 74% of all physicians in the United States are employed by hospitals, health systems, or corporate entities. And that was a 38% increase during uh, the pandemic. So virtually 74% of doctors were not able to act independently during the pandemic. And I think that is why we saw such a profound outcry from citizens saying, we can't get anything. They'll only give us this one protocol. It's not working. I need something else. How come other people can get other things in different states and we can't get it here? And, you know, it's, it's sad that you need legislation to protect the doctor-patient relationship. But, I mean, apparently the hospitals, are they basically own physicians at this point. And this bill kind of returns some freedom to those doctors who have their hands for so long. So um, we're really looking forward to this moving forward. And we're getting really good response, actually, from the House. It's probably the first medical freedom bill where, um, you know, it's not controversial to say the doctor and the patient should be able to decide what they take. It's not controversial to say you shouldn't be able to deny nutrition and fluids to a patient in the hospital. I mean, these are not, (laughs) these are not, you know, uh, things that would be considered controversial. So it is being well received. Um, the chairman has been favorable to the bill. The speaker has been very favorable to the bill. And it does look like uh, we're going to be getting this thing out of the House, hopefully, before uh, they go in summer session. So that is the plan. I think our biggest uh, our biggest pushback is going to actually be in the Senate. I think that's where our fight's going to need to be, um, especially since the Hospital Association is not particularly thrilled with this bill for obvious reasons, Bob. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. That's Stephanie Stock. She is with Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom. Uh, State Representative Jennifer Gross, you probably have a better, a better feel for that. Are you speaking with, consulting with, talking with members in the other chamber in the Senate to uh, see what uh, what we can do? Yes, we are keeping the door always open. I don't want to say any names yet or anything like that, but but we're always we're always keeping that that door open. We do have support from from some organizations that, you know, like we have positive letters from people that support physicians, and I don't want to name them specifically, but we do have them. They're public record there, and and I think that when people realize that we're this bill simply protects physicians, providers, their relationship, and allows them to it allows them to practice the art of medicine, you know, humans are not textbooks. So ultimately, I think that, you know, our medical folks everywhere should be in support of this bill. And so that includes uh, medical and non-medical in the Senate. Are there any names (laughs) you want to share? Are are there any names you want to share on uh, the committee? I mean, what committee are we talking about this is going to be reported into and then hopefully passed by? Um, it's the Health Provider Services Committee, and um, any and names shared... that you, yeah, any names that you want to share that maybe we're, uh, constituents can contact from their districts to tell them we want this passed, or even from outside their districts. Well, the beautiful thing is Chairman Catrona is the chairman, and Jennifer Gross, Representative Jennifer Gross, is the vice chair of this committee. So that's me, and um, and then we, I would encourage people to look up all the names. Stephanie probably has. <laughs> Uh, all those names memorized by heart. She might be able to give some line, I believe, uh, that we have uh, maybe Representative Manchester and um, Representative Tom Young. Are they, uh, is that right? Correct? Yeah, no, and uh, if, if you want, Bob, people can, uh, 
there, we're still accepting um, proponent written testimony for the bill up until 3 p.m. today. So, oh, so that'll just go to, to the whole committee then? Yes, yes. they'll get oh, to, the oh, whole oh. committee. will see it. That's the best thing you can do. And, and since it's kind of uh, last minute, we had emails already going out. Um, people can email me directly at Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, at OhioAMS.org, and I will forward you that call to action ASAP so you can get that in by 3 p.m. today. That's a good idea. Any chance you could put that on your Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else where people can just yep, go find it, yep, click the link, actually, and download it? Sure, yeah. I'll, re- I'll repost it, and we'll get that up. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's just to, just to make it easier for people, and I'm glad about the proponent testimony. Sure. Okay, so so that uh, that is until 3 p.m. today. Yeah, it has to be in by 3 p.m. today because the um, the hearing is tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Okay, good. All right. Well, this is this is extraordinarily important. So many of us found out exactly how bad things can get when we don't have choices and we don't have control of our own health. Uh, conditions and what treatments we want, what treatments we want to decline, and that our providers don't even have the right uh, right to give us what they think is right for us, that they're limited in such right. ways. So that's what makes this legislation so important. It's the uh, Patient and Health Provider Protection Act. If you'd like to submit some proponent testimony on this, please uh, go to, uh, well, Stephanie just said you can email her. Uh, you can also look at, uh, what, what's the OAMF uh, Twitter handle? Is it just that, OAMF? I think yeah, I think it's at I think it's at Ohio AMS. At Ohio AMS. I don't even have my Twitter handle. No, I do. I got it. I got it. As soon as I asked you, I clicked the link and I had it open up. So yeah, it's at Ohio AMF. Ohio AMF, which stands for Advocates for Medical Freedom. Ohio AMF, so that you can get that form and uh, download it and submit your proponent testimony. Representative Gross, thank you for fighting this fight and for sponsoring this very important legislation. We'll continue to uh, stay in touch with you and hopefully get more and more support for it so that we can get some of our freedoms when it comes to our health care. Thank you, Bob. We really appreciate you being that voice for freedom and for talking about what is right. So thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Appreciate you both for your work on this. And it's 1053. We'll take a time out and come right back on Always Right Radio. Okay, it's 1056, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three is still to come. And it is guest-free, so we'll have plenty of opportunities to hear from you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Obviously, the lead story continues to be the indictment of President Trump, former President Trump, and the reactions uh, to that, uh, including his own. And I, wanna, I want you to hear this little exchange. I, I shared in the first hour a clip from left-wing Democrat Alan Dershowitz. Uh, Harvard Law Professor Emeritus Alan Dershowitz, one of the most famous attorneys in the world. He's a liberal Democrat. He's against Donald Trump. But he spoke out in defense of Donald Trump. Why? Because the rule of the law matters more than disagreement with or distaste for a political opponent. And I that should tell you so much about what you need to know about this case. This This witch hunt, this phony indictment of Donald Trump. When a left-wing Democrat comes after the, the, the prosecutor here, in this case, Special Counsel Jack, uh, Jack, uh, um, uh, why am I forgetting his name all of a sudden, for crying out loud? Uh, but at any rate, uh, Smith, Jack Smith, about as plain as it gets. In the same vein, how about a political opponent of Donald Trump's on the primary side? 
Vivek Ramaswamy, he's not going to be a major player in this primary because he's a political unknown. Uh, he's very smart. He's a billionaire. He's uh, you know he's he's got a book called Woke Inc. He he hits all the right notes on the conservative movement, but he's not going to challenge Donald Trump in terms of being a real contender. But he's trying. And even though Donald Trump is the front runner, instead of trying to take some take advantage of the situation, he's defending Donald Trump because he defends most importantly the rule of law. Listen to Vivek Ramaswamy argue with the same woman Jim Jordan did Dana Bash. With due respect, I think it is shameful that I, as a competitor to President Trump in this race, have to ask questions that the media isn't asking. The job of the political media, if it has one job, is to hold the U.S. government accountable. Yes, we know that. And instead, we're doing the bidding. You're seeing the media doing the bidding of the U.S. government. No. Ask the question. Get to the bottom of what Biden told Garland and what Garland told Jack Smith. If the same shoe fit the other foot, you would not take their word at face value. Do not take their word now. Get to the bottom of it. Let's actually restore journalism in this country. That's what's actually missing is Thank getting you. to the truth. Okay. Thank you for that. We are absolutely asking these questions. Good. And we know how to be good journalists because we do it every single day. No, you don't. You work for CNN. What, are you crazy? Don't gaslight us. You're a left-wing activist who somebody gave a microphone to and put you in front of a camera. Don't tell me you actually are doing it every single day. You're not. Curious journalism, intrepid journalism died a good 20 years ago. It was on life support before that, and then somebody pulled the plug. It's not even close. Richard Nixon was brought down not by Democrats. He was not even really brought down by Republicans. He was brought down by the Washington Post. Journalists who dug inside of corruption. Now they only dig inside of their political opponents. Dig inside of Joe Biden, and he'll never get out of there again. They refuse to do so. Tremendous job by Vivek Ramaswamy there. We'll come back with your calls. 216-901-0945. Stay here. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two underway on Always Right Radio. Or excuse me, three, big apart. Wow. I've done a lot of radio this morning, even before this show. So uh, a little bit off on the time there. Apologies. Hour number three underway, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock on a Monday, the 12th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. You know, I gave something to the 9 o'clock audience that I haven't given to you, 
And if you're a holdover from the 9 o'clock audience, I bet you loved it then and you wouldn't mind hearing it again. So for you the second time and for new listeners who only listen during the third hour, here's your first taste of the Truth Bombers featuring vocalist Carrie Lake with the new single that is climbing two different billboard charts, in fact, is already on two different billboard charts and is working toward getting up a third. 81 million votes, my ago, three years ago, that I would be in the middle of a political movement, I would have said, put down Hunter's crack pipe. Right now. Right now. I can't afford the groceries. I can't afford your gas. It's by inflation across the nation. 81 million votes my ass. Pissed off and already pissed off woman. 81 million votes my ass. The crime was committed in broad daylight. We're living on planet crazy. Got a laptop full of China. Hookers and blows and crack. And the diaries got creepy Joe in the shower. 81 million votes my ass. Democrats waiting in the wings is a thing called Hillary. 81 million votes, my ass. Okay, if you're dancing in your car seat right now, raise your hand. And at first I chuckled. I said, oh my gosh, Hillary Clinton is actually talking about me? That's funny. And then I got to thinking, maybe that's not funny. Oh my gosh, help, help. Hey! And I just want you all to know I'm in perfect health. We've recently had our automobile serviced, and the tires are good, and the brakes are in good order, and I am not suicidal. My hand is up. Because I'm dancing. 81 million votes my ass. 81 jolly don't make me laugh. Two mouth mules got busy. It's despicable what they did, and I will not let these bastards get away with it. If you're not vibing to this right now, something's wrong with you. He had the swamp going after him, and he was still getting stuff done. And now we have stumbling, bumbling Joe. not dancing, you know, cheek dancing, as it were, wherever it is you're sitting right now, then uh, something's wrong with you. I was. I'm sitting here literally. I actually kind of turned around to make sure nobody was watching me as I was, like, shimmying the shoulders and everything. That song just 
hits. That's just, it's called, well, you know what it's called. You heard it. It's by the Truth Bombers. Um, it's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. It's pretty much everywhere you can download a song. And it is just climbing on the charts very fast. And that is outstanding. All right, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you to us. We have got plenty of time for you now. Tanya is in Akron on AM 1420, The Answer. Tanya, good morning. Fire away. Good morning. I was a little upset with the guy that kept calling. They called in the 9 o'clock hour with his hollering at you. I'm like, I wake up, get off the coffee or something. But well, There's uh, a lot of people like that, that you know. I mean, I, I get used to that, and so should you. Um, there are. I mean, I'm used to it. But yeah, there are, there are my, millions my of thing. there are millions of voters and millions of citizens, Democrats and some Republicans who hate him and will do everything they can to do what you know the Justice Department is trying to do and Biden is trying to do, and that's get rid of him. Um, you know, you don't have to be you know a, a, a liberal Democrat to hate Donald Trump. There are a lot of Republicans who want to see him go away too. Now, I think that's wrong. Uh, and you don't have to be a Donald Trump supporter to feel that way either um, to me, Tanya. But there are a lot of people who are going to be willing to say anything and sacrifice anything to get rid of their worst political enemy. And that's what Donald Trump has become for, for all of those on the left and some of those, you know, moderate rhino, Demo- or rhino Republicans. Well, I guess I guess my question is, I'm making my choice and I've decided to make my choice long ago. Um, what's best for the country? Okay, because... My kids and my grandkids will be living under some in this country under someone other than Donald Day, Don, uh, Don Trump. But we might not have a country if we don't get him back in. I told your call screener we can't have that fat Christie back in because he's he's the worst of the worst. We can't have I don't know why the governor and the other the governor of North Dakota is running. I loved what the bake said. He was just think if everybody could say that even DeSantis back Trump this time you know because yeah, because, because like I said what a, you're backing is the rule of law what you're backing is right. if you don't backing back Trump now you yeah if you don't back Trump you're you're not back in the role. That doesn't mean you have to vote for him in the primary. You can still vote for DeSantis or Swamis Ramaswamy or Nikki Haley. I don't care if you want to vote for somebody else. But as it pertains to his indictment and this witch hunt, if you don't defend him, you know the old adage, you know the old saying, Tanya, who's going to be there when it's time to defend me? Because if they can do it to him, they can do it to us too. Well, the thing is, too, is that every one of these, every one of these indictments, no one else would have been indicted in- Trump. was a phone call in Georgia. It was a phone call to, you know, with the president of the Ukraine. Ukraine yeah. It's a paperwork. It's a paperwork thing. You know, it's not a, it's not a criminal case. It's paperwork. And let us not get deceived that just because they say it had defense initiatives and all of that on it doesn't mean it's true. Because it could have been declassified. It could have been. We don't know until we get to see the evidence. A grand jury can indict a, a dead person or a sandwich. Yet, let's get over it just because the, the, the word indictment means that you're going to have to defend yourself. You will defend yourself before a jury of your peers. We in the Republican Party, when someone gets indicted, it's like, oh, let's send them to the grave because they're dead now. We need to get over that. We need to learn how to fight. Yeah, we do. And not, and, you not, know, physically, not physically fist fight, 
but no, no, of course, fight on all ways. Yeah, we know what that means. And and you know what I go back to, and and thank you, Tanya, for the call. Great points as always. When you say nobody else would have been indicted for these things, I I go back to Comey, and Hillary, because of his summary of all of the things that she did wrong with her classified documents held on a, a on an unsecured server. He listed everything she did and then said, but she shouldn't be prosecuted. Right? That's, that's the part of this. I remember this very well. James Comey gave that little 16-minute or 20-minute presentation about all of the things that he found in his investigation, including that she did indeed mishandle classified information. She covered it up. Uh, that, that all of these things are felonies but that, quote, no reasonable prosecutor would bring charges. It's like, wait a second. This is the very definition of two-tiered system of justice. Here's an investigation that could say Trump did this wrong, Trump did that wrong, Trump, Trump, Trump did this wrong, but no reasonable prosecutor should bring, would bring charges here. We just need to work with his attorneys to get these things that we deem to be too sensitive, even for a president to declassify, that he can't keep those. We need to get those things returned. Because they, they went after Mike Pence, and Mike Pence, according to all reports, returned everything. Uh, Trump obviously didn't want to return everything that they were coming for. Now, again, at the Presidential uh, Records Act gives him the authority to declassify information and store it and keep it where he wants. But if there was a dispute between the Department of Justice and a former president about classified materials that are national security related, they could very easily have worked through that just like they did with Hillary Clinton and not charge him. But they did charge him. Why? Because he's orange man bad. Because he's the dangerous one. Because he's the enemy and the opponent of Joe Biden. That's why. July 5th, 2016, FBI Director James Comey acknowledged Hillary Clinton committed crimes, but still says he will not recommend the Justice Department should prosecute. In Comey's remarks, he said Clinton's conduct regarding her private email server was extremely careless, but that the FBI had insufficient evidence to prove that she intentionally or knowingly violated the law on this issue. Really? then what intent was there when she bleach-bit her servers to hide all the evidence? If she didn't know, if it was unknowing or unintentional, how did she have somebody smash her cell phones with hammers? Hammers! To make sure that the no data could be recovered from their hard drives. I mean, we are literally talking about almost identical, because one stored them in boxes, one stored them on a computer. Which is more dangerous? An unsecured computer? An unsecured server that can be hacked into by Chinese or Russian or North Korean or Iranian or whomever spies? (laughs) Or, Or a president's home that is guarded 24 hours a day by Secret Service? Right? I'm just asking. I'm not saying either one of them, if they did something identical, then either you charge both of them or you charge neither of them. You cannot do selective targeted prosecution. It is unconstitutional, particularly when you time it up to interfere with an election. There is no disputing that. 
No disputing that. Uh, let's see. Well, it's 1123. We'll take a time out here and come back with more calls right after this. Always right radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1126, we're going to go to BJ, who is waiting in uh, North Olmstead. BJ, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, fire away. Thank you, Bob. Three major things are going to happen because Donald Trump is not the president. He had a hold on China, and he had a hold over there with Iraq and Iran, and he had a hold on Russia. China's going to get very emboldened now because they've got this president by the you-know-what because he made millions of dollars from China, so they're going to go into Taiwan. They're going to challenge this president, and they know he doesn't have the testicles to stand up to him because he took greed money, number one. Number two, those weapons that China sold to to, uh, those Middle Eastern countries to bomb the hell out of Israel wouldn't have happened if Donald Trump were president. That's the most important issue. Israel will be attacked, and Israel's aware of it, and they're going to attack, and that will end up being a nuclear war in that area. Number three, Russia would not have the nerve to do what they're doing with Ukraine if Donald Trump were president. They are also threatening the Ukraine with the nuclear weapons. So these are three major issues as a result of Donald Trump, the thinking president, not the BS president, the doing president, not the dreaming president. So we're we're in for a hell of a lot of trouble. And because Donald Trump, in my opinion, is not the man that is there who had the collions to do what it took to to keep this country safe, is going to be an awakening situation. Be aware of these major three issues I shared with you. Also, the month of June, and I had predicted this on Tom Kelly's show, was going to be a major turning point. And when they went after Donald Trump, this administration prosecuted him. That was the turning point. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your time. You got it, BJ. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Let's go next to Gina in Hudson. Gina, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Go right ahead. Hello, Gina. Okay. Can you hear me? Now I got you. Go ahead, Gina. Hi. Okay, Bob. Thank you. I, I just wanted to know if you had heard, uh, this fascinated me, uh, there was a Newsmax uh, clip that had come on the other about three or four days ago with a former Trump um, attorney. And he was stating the protocol that NARA, uh, National Records Act, uh, does for each president. So the process is, NARA, after GSC, packs up all the president's belongings, records, and documents. They send them to a, in a, a separate leased out space that NARA has picked that's close to the president. In the case of Obama, it was a place in um, Chicago. In the case of Bush, it was a place in Texas, close to where his library or his home was. And in case of Clinton, it was in, uh, in Arkansas as well. Uh, so that the presidents have the time to go to this very convenient facility to go through their records and decide what they're going to keep, what they're not, and so forth. And the only president that has never had this protocol fulfilled was Trump. And you have to ask yourself why, knowing what we already know and how they conduct themselves. Did they set him up? Why did they break protocol? Why did they say all these other presidents, we would lease a separate space which would be secured and staffed by NARA, but not for President Trump. 
we'll just send your stuff to your home. And oh, by the way, then we'll come back and say it wasn't secured enough. You didn't have all these other presidents had years to go through their records. And President Trump gets two years and not a separate facility. This really just raises uh, the questions of this was a setup. Well, there are you're, you're, there are a million questions raised from all of this, and, and what you just did was add to that list. Thank you for the call, Gene. I appreciate that. Uh, we'll take more calls. We'll try to analyze as much of this as we can. We've got another segment together before we're done. I'll always write radio, AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. It's um, 11.35. Quick pivot away from that story to a good story that I probably should have told you on Friday. But since I didn't, I'm going to do it now. It's worth it. Um... I'm not a huge women's softball fan. I'm not an opponent of it either, like I am Major League Baseball, because, uh, you know, to my knowledge, it's not something that one would consider woke in any way. But um, I'm a fan of the Oklahoma Sooners women's national championship winning softball team. If you didn't hear this yet, let me share it with you. The Oklahoma women's softball team, like I said, that just won the national championship, won a uh, had a 53-game winning streak. Still have. But they, they're they in the midst of a 53-game winning streak that culminated in the national championship. That streak will continue until they're defeated next year. But that's not why I love them. The reason I love these girls, whom I do not know, is because in the press conference after their championship at the College World Series, they were asked by an ESPN reporter about the pressure that they faced with the with the you know the winning streak and so forth and how they were able to still find joy in the game with all of the anxiety that comes with trying to keep that record alive right i promise you the ESPN reporter did not expect this response and i promise you you will love this response yeah, back row left Let's start with ESPN for, for the players. I know you talked about keeping the joy of the game, but I'm curious. It's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time, the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when anxiety seems like a thing that can very easily set in? Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. Um, I think Coach has said this before, but... Joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only, the only answer to that because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 1,000% agree with Grace Lyons. Um, I went through that my freshman year. I I was so happy to win the college. I've talked about this before, but I was just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have. I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel filled, and I had to find Christ in that. And I think that is what makes our team so strong is that 
we're not afraid to lose because if it's not the end of the world if we do lose. Yes, obviously we've worked our butts off to be here and we want to win, but it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Yeah, um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up. And you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where, like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game, because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for. And that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I eyes up, ladies, eyes up. Indeed, I cannot imagine the immense pride that uh, and this is the good pride that uh, their parents feel. That was phenomenal. Those three girls and that entire team, just uh, that's inspiration that we need sometimes. We absolutely need that. Joanne is in Twinsburg. Joanne, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. First of all, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget to say it. When you were talking about Obama and Holder on Friday, the word you were looking for was wingman. Yeah, right. Yeah, a couple of other <laughs> people that's texted not why me on I that yeah, that's all right. I wrote it down. I'm like, don't forget to tell about. Um, you know, remember back in the Russia hoax and Adam Schiff coming out there and saying he had proof when Trump, you know, tongue in cheek said, "Hey, Russia, if you've got Hillary's emails, we sure could use them." See, we said he was talking to the Russians. See, he's even asking them for them. They're doing the same thing with this document. Oh, you know, on this tape. He held up a piece of paper and was talking facetiously. Hey, I could, you know, declassify this if I want to, but I can't anymore. Who knows what it was? We don't. Maybe Jack Smith thinks he does. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is the whole thing. And then they'll say, oh, we've got him on tape. He had a document in his hand, and he was showing it to somebody he shouldn't have. We don't even know what that document was. Could have been something to do with his own business. I'm sick of no, this. No, you're, you're, you're right, Joanne, and, and I'm glad you made the point. Thank you for the phone call. You're right. It, we don't know what that document was. Again, it doesn't sound great based on the description of the audio tape because the transcription is that he says, I, uh, I could have declassified this. Now I can't, uh, as if to say this is something that would have been classified and I could have made it unclassified, but I did not. And now I can't because I'm not president anymore. It does give the indication that it is a classified document. We just don't know that. We can suspect that, but we don't know that. And the only thing I will continue to repeat is, if they are going to go to the great links that they are to find out what that was, and to find out if it was a self-incriminating statement, if the only way to do that is to charge him, then you damn well better charge the lot of them, those that have also had classified documents that they were not permitted to have. With Trump, at least we know there was a chance he could have been permitted to have it because he could declassify things. Not Joe Biden, not Hillary Clinton. All I'm looking for is fairness. You want to go after uh, Donald Trump, roll the dice, Take your shot. Make it happen. 
but you don't choose him while you allow other people to shuffle classified documents next to the Corvette in the garage that Hunter Biden and everybody, every other malcontent, crack-smoking strippers and hookers that he associates with can come through that garage with that Corvette and have access to. Lord only knows how many different things in a in a drunken or in a crack pipe haze that Hunter Biden was in that he looked at documents and said, I bet I could make money off of these. We know he's not averse to making money trading off his dad's name and his own last name with foreign adversaries like China. You're going to look at Trump. You damn well better look at the rest of them. Chuck in Cleveland next. Go ahead, Chuck. Hey, Bob. Good show today. The, Thank you. The thing that really makes me the angriest about this whole thing is when the FBI went in there with the national people and they got all these documents, they were reading documents that were attorney-client privilege. That is sacrosanct. You cannot do that. Well, we have to find that out too, Chuck, and thank you, my friend, for the call. We have to find out what those documents were. Were they were they attorney-client privilege or were they classified documents that belong to the National Archives? That's the crux of the issue here. But at the again, at the end of the day, going back to what they did with Hillary and what they're currently doing with, with Biden, they decided to work with their lawyers and work all of that out before they decided, well, we're just going to bring charges. Different circumstance or excuse me similar circumstances different target and that makes all the difference in how they handle it orange man bad hillary good orange man bad biden good and that's the the reason they treated it the way they did thank you my friend for the call that's it it's all the time we've got thanks to jim jordan a really important interview if you missed that you should hear it it's at whkradio.com where it will be in about 25 minutes or so make sure you listen to that uh thanks also to representative gross and stephanie stock thanks to johnny hiles who's back in the house as well and the entire team we'll see you tomorrow bye-bye three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com